Welcome. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. So juicy. So my friends, I still love paint by numbers, and it's so interesting because I have not done it for a few weeks. Part of it is I've been busy since the month has started, so I haven't done it. And I also think it's because I really don't like the colors <laughs> of this painting I'm doing. It's this cute little dog. That, oh, this will be great. And it is brown colors. So I'm a little bit less enthused, but my plan is to come back to it this weekend. But it's been really interesting to watch me not do it. I was coaching a client this week and she showed me her paint by number. She's like, Corinne, I was listening to you on the podcast. You've been talking about paint by numbers. So I like put 17 in my cart. Thank God I only bought one because her brain exploded with all the judgment criticism. I'm doing it wrong. And the beauty is, is that when you take on something like this, like paint by number, something that's fun and play and joy, it's an opportunity for you to see inside of your brain. And it doesn't really matter, right? Because it's paint by numbers. Like that's the beauty of it. Like when I go into paint by numbers, I all like those perfectionist tendencies that are kind of just hidden there that they're, even though I've done a lot of work of letting go of perfection over the years, we're still deeply programmed. So it's just great to watch your brain and be fascinated and go, oh, and I'm the adult sitting here. And I think that's the number, but it's okay if I put in a different color or if I mess up because this is for me and I get to decide I'm the leader of my life. So paint by numbers is fantastic. Like if you want to do your own coaching with yourself, (laughs) managing your brain, it can be that, especially for those of you who are perfectionists, who are culturally programmed to believe that you have to gain somebody else's approval. And isn't it interesting how we can think a paint by numbers, we're going to get somebody else's approval by putting the right paint in the right number, but nobody's really going to see it nor know. So I have as I like to say, talked myself off the ledge many times in the last few months of doing paint by numbers, but it's still my favorite thing. And like I shared with you, I'm fascinated because I've got a little bit of rebellion happening right now with paint by numbers and that's okay. And part of it is there's a realistic of it's the start of a swim session. That part's been busy. There's been other stuff going on and I'm going to come back and go back to my paint by numbers. There hasn't been that like magnetic draw, but that's also part of life, right? We are fluid. Things move, you know, things that we're like totally hot about, they kind of wither away. It's all okay. I always say to parents on the Aqua Monsters, swimming's the greatest love affair that these kids will ever have, you know, as they're growing up. And I go, it's a lot like a marriage (laughs) or having a family, You love your partner, but you're really glad when your partner is on a work trip or traveling or off to work. And we've all been contained in the last year with each other. But in swimming, you know, it's there's times you love, love, love swimming. And there's times you're like, seriously, why am I doing this? And it can be the same thing in a marriage or raising kids. You can love your kids and be so happy like I was a few weeks ago when my entire family was gone because I went to their conference championships and I was home for like five days. I think it was 
five 24-hour days or four 24-hour days and one 20-hour day. I was like out of my skin, filled with joy. And it's not because I don't love them because I absolutely love them. But I was so, so happy to have the house to myself, to have a clean house, to know that when I left the room or the space and I came back to it, it would be the exact way that it was. I love, love, loved it. It was fantastic. And then they came back and it's fine as well. So, and actually I like them to be around because I don't like to be around by myself all the time, but that is another example of you may do something and love, love, love it. And then take a break from it. Doesn't mean you don't love it anymore. I still love paint by numbers. I'm just realizing, oh, when I buy paint by numbers, the colors I'm choosing right now are really important, right? That's really important to me. I would never have known that until I had this contrast of this very cute dog that I'm really kind of bored with because it's all browns. (laughs) It's also the beginning of the painting. Okay. So paint by numbers, which leads us to a great segue for today because it's about the finish line. And I can even notice like with the paint by numbers, it's, there's that struggle in the beginning of like, Oh, where do I start? And how's it going to look? And how's it coming together? And then there's becomes this nice flow as I go through and then the accumulation at the end where it's pretty darn exciting. Same thing with a puzzle, you know, at the beginning it's hard and there's a struggle because you're trying to figure it out and get it organized. It's kind of the boring stuff. But then at the end, it's so fun when you get that dopamine every time you get the puzzle to you find the spot and you're like, boom, boom, boom. And you're like, oh, I feel so good. I can see things, right? We're in the beginning, there was struggle. Well, oftentimes we think about the finish lines in our life. And it could be, you know, so many of us, it's the finish line of COVID or the finish line of this project or the finish line of your child graduating from high school or college or shoot, when my daughter left kindergarten and we were in full day school. And then when we finally got to fourth grade and she was in school until three o'clock or my youngest was finally in school till three o'clock, there's always all these finish lines. And I was coaching another client this week and she just wanted to know how it was all going to end right? She was like, okay, is there going to be resolution inside? Am I going to get to the end of my life and go, okay, I've used my gifts appropriately. I've done a good enough job. I've fulfilled. She wanted to know right now what the determination would be in 40 to 50 years so she could be at peace today. And I remember this. I remember this. It was probably about 11 years ago or so. And I used to live inside those same prison walls. And I desperately wanted to be 81, my 81 year old self, because I just needed to know, did I make the right decision? (laughs) Like everything was on this one decision that I made and was it right? The problem was I was 37 at the time. So I was like, oh, I just need to be 81. I just need to be 81. This was the mental drama in my head, right? I talk about mindset a lot because our mindset is so pivotal in our lives. So at 37, I'm like, I want to be 81. I want to know that I made the right decision. I need to know. I need to know. I wanted the certainty. (laughs) So first off, let's talk about the right decision. The right decision, my friend, is another cover word for doing it perfectly. (laughs) And remember, perfection is the birthplace for shame. 
And we talk a lot about shame around here because shame is I am broken. I'm bad. You're not worthy of connection and belonging, right? It's the master emotion. It's so painful. And it's like, okay, if I, we had this belief and a lot of it was cultural programming. If you're perfect enough, if you make the right decisions, if you don't make mistakes, you're going to be safe. And that's all a bunch of lies. So here I was at 37, agonizing over, did I make the right decision? Like life is black and white like that. And I was so desperate and willing to speed through my life and give up 44 years of my life to know with certainty, did I do it right? Now I know none of it's possible, but this is an example of how we create prison walls in our brains by the things that we think. I was already in pain and I was creating dirty pain inside of me because I was trying to get to an end result that wasn't possible. And I was in that tension of it and going, I just need to get there. I just need to get there. So I know, so I can be validated. And I stewed around with this probably for about, I don't know, three or four months. So I was like living in this prison, this mental prison of pain and suffering. Did I do it right? Which is a crappy question. You know, I need to know, I need to be 81, which is an impossibility when I was 37. And I was spending so much time in that I was missing some of the beauty in my own life, or I wasn't even allowing myself to enjoy life because I was in this misery of right and wrong. And what I was really searching for was confidence in my decisions, confidence in knowing that it was going to be all okay, that I was going to be okay, that I could move through whatever decisions I was making. And it wasn't the end for me. I had this all or nothing mindset, but I was so willing (laughs) to transport myself to 81 because I was feeling, and I didn't even understand it back then. I was feeling extremely vulnerable, right? There was uncertainty, emotional exposure and risk. I didn't even really, so interesting because when I was 37, I was probably before I met Brene Brown and had her on my show and really understood her work. And I go back and I look at writings that I had done like in 2006, I used the word vulnerable, but I didn't really understand it to how I understand it now. But I had this really uncomfortable feeling that's vulnerability, right? Uncertainty, emotional exposure, risk. Back then, I didn't like any of that. I wanted certainty. I wanted the promised land. I wanted to be finally good enough so I didn't have any more problems. (laughs) It was a fairy tale, my friend. <laughs> I am laughing with myself, not at myself. <laughs> I've grown so much. <laughs> but here's the thing. I wanted the evidence before I could trust and believe myself, right? I was like, let me get the evidence so that I can trust and believe myself. But here's the problem. I needed to wait 44 years to determine the outcome, <laughs> Or that's what I was thinking at the time, right? Because I couldn't validate my decisions until I got to be 81 because I had to cross this finish line and no. But then I started to realize, wait, if I'm 81 and I get that answer, I need to really check in with this because I can't go back and be 37. And that perspective helped me get out of this pain that I was creating, this dirty pain I was creating inside of myself of, I need to be 81. I need to know what my 81-year-old self says. 
because I went, wait a second, I want to be 81 and then I can't go back. Am I really going to have that kind of tunnel vision and be so miserable and not allow myself to enjoy my life until I'm 81 when I finally found out if I made the right decision? And notice for 44 years, I wouldn't be practicing trusting myself and believing myself. I'd be deferring it and waiting until I was 81. So guess what happens when you're 81 and you've spent 44 years not trusting and and believing in yourself? You don't trust and believe in yourself at the finish line. This is a really, really important concept that I hope you can take away from today's show is whatever the feeling that you are wanting to have at that finish line, you must practice it now. If you want to be happy in your life and you think once I graduate, once I make this much money, once I get married, once this, whatever that finish line is, I'll be happy. If you haven't built up the capacity to be happy now, it's going to be very difficult at the end. When I used to do weight loss coaching and I would you know, bring on a new client and I would ask them a few questions. And typically the way that it had worked for them was, you know, they had at some point gained weight. And then they lost it in this huge deprivation, self-hatred, very restrictive, you know, dictator way. And they wanted to be happy. And then when they got there, they weren't happy. And then they slowly gained it back. And then they had so much more shame about themselves and so many more limiting beliefs about themselves. And eventually they landed working with me. So I said to them, if you want to be happy at the end, you have to be happy now and along the way. People are afraid if they are happy, they will then indulge. They'll eat. If you remember bonbons, I think it was like from the eighties, those little ice cream things, like they're going to sit around and eat bonbons or Girl Scout cookies and, you know, Netflix binge. That is not happiness. That is numbing. But eating and taking care of yourself and, you know, listening to your body and tuning in, that is taking care of yourself and you can enjoy your life. So I see this pattern all the time of, I need to get to the finish line so that I can have the evidence so that I can trust. I can believe in myself. I can be happy. Once I get to X, then I can be at peace. Is that what you're telling yourself? Confident, relaxed, happy, validated. What is it that is your promise to yourself of once you get to the finish line, whatever it may be, right? I, I go to the extreme of my 81 year old self right? But we do this all the time. Like, Oh, let me get to Friday. Let me get to the end of the day. But what are you deferring for later that you can start practicing now? Okay. I story fondled that story of 81 for months and it created so much unnecessary pain. I was already in enough pain and I created dirty pain and I didn't feel better. So the key is to create self-awareness when you start to tell yourself that, oh, I need to get to this finish line so I can be X. Really check in with that. And what's stopping you from feeling that way, from believing in yourself, from talking to yourself in a different manner? I want to talk about self-awareness because it's really life-changing. And notice when I started to become aware of Oh, 81, 81, 44 years. Wait a second. I can't come back. That is what shifted and helped me slowly open the prison walls of my life. Because I didn't want to speed through. I didn't want to be 81 and all of a sudden be like, oh, I'm 81 
and can't go backwards. And I was so busy trying to get to 81. I didn't enjoy the journey. And what I really wanted was to enjoy my life now, finally, after a life of hamster wheeling and achievement and, you know, saying, okay, I need to have this success and I need to have this success and climbing those ladders, right? That next rung of the ladder and the next one, I wanted to enjoy my life instead of deferring it and putting it off. And I get it. It sounds really scary because you're like, but wait, what if I'm wrong? What if like I enjoy my life and I get to 81 and my 81 year old self says, you totally screwed up. (laughs) You were wrong. That was a bad decision to make. But my friend, let's think about that. How often is that really the case? Because is it really a right or wrong answer? Or is it about, even if it's a quote wrong answer, what's your key learning in that? What do you learn? And how do you pivot? How do you grow? Who do you become? That's the growth mindset, right? That's what I've been talking about since I've had Carol Dweck on the show, you know, over 10 years ago, having this growth mindset and talking about like, Hey, we all fall down and we get up. It's not about not falling down. It's not about bubble wrapping us. So I know it sounds scary. That's that vulnerable feeling, but what can you learn? Who do you become instead of thinking, what if I'm wrong? And I remembered, I had to go, okay, I want to enjoy my life now, finally. Deep breath in. And I remember asking myself, can I really do this? Which is really a crappy question, you guys. (laughs) But that was where I was. And I had to remind myself again, I want to enjoy my life now finally. And then I started asking myself, so what does right decision mean? (laughs) Is there really a right or a wrong? Is life really about one decision? And actually, I know of three people I know of two. And then I was talking to a former athlete of mine who is making a film about this, but in one of his friends from college, from university also broke his neck. But I know, so from that story, I know of three stories of people who have broken their neck in the pool and either are in a wheelchair and with a broken neck, life-changing. So yes, the one decision to dive into the pool, you know, was life-changing, but then they made all these other decisions about who they were going to become and what they were going to do, right? Two of the three are doctors, practicing doctors, They went on to become doctors, right? It didn't stop them and stop their lives. They both have families. So we have to let go of that there's one decision. And what I've learned in the last 11 years is I'm more agile. I'm more agile than I was back then because I wasn't. I thought there's one decision. So let's go back to this. I want to enjoy my life now, finally deep breath in and let it go. Enjoying my life has taken a lot of courage. And here's why. I have to learn to trust myself. I have to learn to train my brain to see all of my life, not just the problems, but also the beauty. 
And if you've been a long time listener, you've heard me for the last, I don't know, about probably eight years. I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere, right? Because I needed to see all of it. I used to be so focused on just the problems and think, wow, there's something wrong with me. And there's so many problems. And once I become enough, there won't be any problems. (laughs) Well, my friend, I haven't found that reality. There's always obstacles and opportunities, right? But I can enjoy my life because there's the beauty of it all. I've had to become comfortable with having joy and knowing that not all days will be joyful and trusting there will be more joy in my life. Back when I was 37, I was all or nothing. Oh, if it's not this, then that's it. It's over. (laughs) It's a really painful way to live life, right? Trusting that joy, there will be more joy. And there is sadness and it's okay to feel the sadness and release it and move through it. I've had to let go of the limiting beliefs I've had about myself. That takes courage. It's so easy to hate on ourselves and to beat ourselves up, right? But to take courage and say, look, I matter. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I'm not flawed, but I matter. And I matter to me and to the group of people that I belong with, not fit in with, but belong with. I've had to step into me more authentically. So I wrote this podcast earlier. And then last night I was in bed and I opened up Renee's The Gifts of Imperfection. And I haven't read it in a while. And the page that I had left off on, and I've read this book several times, but choosing authenticity means I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? So in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, she says, choosing authenticity means cultivating the courage to be imperfect, to set boundaries and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Choosing authenticity means exercising the compassion that comes from knowing that we are all made of strength and struggle and nurturing the connection and sense of belonging that can only happen when we believe that we are enough. The last 11 years It's taken courage for me to step more into me living authentically. That is my why for this show. That is why I show up. I want everybody to have the opportunity to be their authentic selves. We need you. So by letting go of this finish line of will I be okay? Did I make the right decision? And waiting 44 years, which is finite thinking, and a truly fixed mindset. I chose to live each day with all its beauty and all the shit shows. And some days more than others on either side. (laughs) And what I can say is these last 11 years, I appreciate the things I've created in my life. And I've also enjoyed the pursuit of my vision. And I found Fun things like paint by numbers or puzzles or bringing music back into my life. I've learning how to play. And as I've talked about for many, many years, I've become more and more comfortable with the falling down moments. And I learned to not overindulge in them. And what I did was I was able to stop waiting for the finish line for myself to make a determination on my life. And that's my invitation for you. Stop waiting for the finish line for you to make a determination on your life. And instead, you make the determination 
Are you living the life that you want? What can be tweaked? You are the leader of your life. Check in. There's not a right. There's not a wrong decision. It's step by step. And remember, I say small hinges can move big doors. So you make these steps and you make these learnings, these key learnings, and then you pivot. The beauty of this 81-year-old self, it was such a huge part of my life and it became such a great lesson. It really helped me open up the prison walls of my life. So it wasn't even a wrong decision about thinking about the finish line at 81. So I hope you see how it can let go of this right or wrong. Even the decisions we make that create the dirty pain, like my finish line with my 81 year old self can be so pivotal because there can be so much growth and you can evolve to the best version of you who's deep inside. And remember what you want in the future to feel better, create it now. If you want to have confidence in yourself, What do you know that is absolutely true about you no matter what? Ask that question. What is absolutely true? Maybe some of you are like, oh my gosh, I can whip up a meal (laughs) with all these different things that's in the refrigerator. Not a problem, right? I'm hands down to you because that would be a shit show for me, right? What is absolutely true about you no matter what? If you want to feel confident, ask yourself that question. That is a great question. Instead of, did I make the right decision? That's a crappy question. What I know for sure is during this year of COVID, I felt tremendous joy, love, belonging. I felt loneliness, isolation, fear, and shame. I felt gratitude and connection. I felt loneliness again, right? I have felt it all. And I've continued to find more love and joy than I could have ever imagined 11 years ago when I was concerned about the right decision. I do not need my 81-year-old self to make the determination of my life because every day I go in and I ask, what worked well? What can be improved? Am I living my life in accordance to my values? Am I trusting myself? That is how I'm making the determination now. Every day. Sometimes I miss some days. That's okay. (laughs) right? Things happen. And I come back and I check in a week or maybe a few weeks later, but I'm constantly checking in. That's that self-awareness. And back then I was looking for someone to tell me I was going to be okay. And what I know for sure, no matter what, is I will be okay. I'm 48 years old. I've been through lots of ups and downs and I'm still standing and that's my intent. So I will be okay. I can figure things out and I deserve a good life. And some days are kicking ass hard. And that my friend is the real truth of it. I know now, no matter what, I can figure things out and I will be okay. So when you are faced with uncertainty and feeling vulnerable, what is your truth about you? No matter what. That, my friend, is what you are searching for. You believing in yourself, knowing yourself, trusting yourself, and that you will figure out each step of the way in this thing we call life. I'm smiling big for you. Hey. 
If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Karen, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short, they're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life. Because people often want to know what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so 